Mike's in a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into Rock Chalk hey. Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, coming up in 35 minutes from right now. We've got a KU mailbag. You can get any last-second questions in, hitting us up on social media or however you can find your message to us here. Uh, we also are going to have a lie detector test and uh, some other fun segments on the show. After the show tonight, we've got Hawk Talk with Brandon Schneider. We've got High School Sports Weekly at Burgers by Big. It's going to air live 6 to 7 over there, but it's going to air on the radio from 7 to 8 tonight. And uh, you can go on out with the LHS Swim and Dive team. Nick will be there interviewing all uh, their different athletes. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Uh, I'm looking at some of the college basketball lines tonight, too. You can get Michigan-Iowa. That's a high over, 156. Hey, TCU plus six and a half. Cash. You bet it. It cashed. Sort of barely, but it cashed. It got there. That's all that matters. Um, there's always not as many fun games on, like, Thursdays. I don't know if you saw the, go to, like, WCC action. Did you see the San Diego situation? Yes. Okay. I'll be talking about that later in the show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Gonzaga's only six and a half point favorites over BYU. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe BYU pulls the upset. Gonzaga hasn't Gonzaga been as dominant this year. Thanks. All right. Here's my bet for the night UCLA minus 12 at home against Utah. I know nothing about Utah. I don't think they're very good just because I don't know anything about them. They might be really good. I have no idea. So I'm just blind betting UCLA, which is never a good idea. So probably don't take my advice on that. I mean, is there, is there any. Oh, Utah's 48th on Ken Palm. They're top 20 on defense. Okay. Okay, Utah. Maybe don't do that. Maybe don't. Anyway, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing NFL bet up to $10. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Opening up the show today, I think... Dewan Harris and K.J. Adams have a real case to be made as, as KU's two best players during Big 12 play. Okay. I know Jalen Wilson's still putting up big numbers. Like, Jalen's still, during the four Big 12 games, leading Kansas in points per game. He's leading Kansas in rebounds per game. He is tied third in assists per game. He uh, is shooting 36% from three. But 
It's just the the inefficiencies from two. He's only shooting thirty four percent from two in Big Twelve play, and that's rough. I, like it's weird because Dewan and KJ, specifically with KJ, KJ doesn't have as much success getting open on some of the roles if you don't have guys who you know create attention for the defense, which like Jalen yep. Wilson and Grady Dick. So. Yep. I don't know. Maybe it's wrong, but I feel like through. I'm but not would, saying. Wouldn't you rather have opposing defenses trying to key on KJ to open up Jalen yeah. or Grady? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying KJ is a better player than Jalen or overall. I'm just saying through the four games, he has, I, I think, performed better to this point. I think those would be your yeah. top two guys. So far through the uh, four Big 12 games, DeWan's averaging 11.5 points, over five assists. Uh, he's not turning the ball over much. Shooting fifty percent from the floor, seventy-one percent from three, and he has a one thirty-six O rating, which is a really good number. KJ is averaging sixteen points per game in Big Twelve play, four and a half rebounds, getting almost a block and a half per game, almost a steal. Shooting sixty-one percent from the floor. How about this? He's seventy-eight percent at the foul line in the four Big Twelve games after starting the season. Yep. O for nine, O for eight. I think it was O for eight, and then two one, for thirteen two, or two mm -hmm. for thirteen. Yeah. That's the same percentage from the free throw line as Jalen and Kevin have shot in Big 12 play. He has a 126-0 rating, which is second among the starters. So those two guys have, have been so good in Big 12 play, and you compare it to Jalen, which, like I said, he's putting up big numbers, but it's not coming very efficiently. Grady Dick, meanwhile, he's shooting only 37% from the floor. He's shooting 42% from three, but uh, his number's down to 10.8 points per game. Kevin McCuller is down to 8.5 points per game in Big 12 play, and he's impacting the game in many other ways, 2.5 steals, 2 assists, but he's only shooting 33% from the floor. So I go down this, and, and I kind of, I, I guess that's my point. Like I, I think DeWan and KJ have been your two best players in Big 12 play so far. Do I expect yeah. that to sustain? Probably not. Yeah, we kind of touched on it a little bit with, with the discussion about how Oklahoma played Grady defensively, but I don't think very many Big 12 teams are going to necessarily have the the talent, basically, or the skill players defensively to run that type of defense against KU, right? I think you're gonna have to. I think you're gonna see some defenses that are gonna have to play more of like a standard five-on-five man-to-man defense, because as we saw against Oklahoma, like Kansas adjusted and they ended up, you know, getting some easier buckets, right? So it's like if you're an opposing team, how badly do you want to just face guard Grady Dick at the at the behest of potentially allowing Dewan Harris and KJ Adams to just run wild in the middle of the floor? Because that's exactly what happened against Oklahoma. So from that standpoint, I suspect that Grady is going to have more games where he's going to make an impact, right? And obviously, when you're that level of a talented player like Grady is, like a team can face guard you all you all they want. You're still probably going to find a way to have an impact, right? I mean, he had a big offensive rebound against Oklahoma, at least one that I can think of. So we still affected the game. But yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going. I don't think that's a defense that you're going to see night in, night out against Grady Dick because I think you have to have a certain level of length, a certain level of, of athleticism at the other positions to be able to pull that off. Especially when you have a guy like KJ who can just go crazy in the middle of the floor if you do that, because that's what KU seems like they want to do to adjust. Is you're going to face guard Grady Dick? We're going to clear out and let KJ and Dewan be the best two players on the floor. Which, as you've kind of pointed out, that's really been the case in the first four Big 12 games. They've been the two best guys, right? And KJ, man, he just – it's just unbelievable what he can do, right? It, it's almost – it's almost it almost feels like right now he just he just doesn't have any limit to what he can do. No, you know I mean? It, yeah, I mean, he, it feels, just, he just – He just goes. He's expanding he just goes. every game. Yeah, you know what I mean? He just goes. He just goes. 
It doesn't make any sense, but it's that's just yeah. how it is right now. No, it's just like he he's picking he's he's almost like a like a cyborg that just got dropped onto Earth, and every day it's learning something <laughs> new. And you know, it, by the time a year has passed, it's. Are you trying to say that KJ's the Terminator? Maybe. Do we need to protect? Maybe. Do we need to find and protect? I'm just saying, like he's going to come out in a week and he's going to start like shooting corner threes, and we're going to be like, what? What the heck? Do what, we, what is do happening? We need, do we need to find and protect Sarah Connor right now? Is KJ <laughs> yes. just going to go? No, KJ's, KJ's the good Terminator. Going to protect. Oh, okay. Protect. Okay. Um, how would you grade out like uh, among the starters? I guess we can put the bench into a category all on its own. But uh, if if we went through the list, just Big Twelve games. Forget the entire season. Just Big Twelve games. Okay. You can give a letter grade, a grade on a one through ten. I want to go through all the five starters and then just the bench as a whole. Okay. Start with Dewan. What would you grade it for Big Twelve a, play? A plus, ten. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to like say negative, <laughs> so I guess that'd have to be a ten. I mean, if if we're setting the bar there, though, shouldn't a ten be like, hey, you were LeBron James? I, okay, I don't okay. know. I don't so, know. I don't okay, know. Okay, nine. I'm just asking Good questions. Nine. Say a and a nine. Okay. Because he, dude, he's shooting seventy-one percent for three. Yeah, so I guess is this that not, is that just by itself not worth? No, no. Basically, what I was bringing I mean, up, like, are are we scaling it on the scale of basketball, or are we scaling it on the scale of what we expected and what you're doing? Let's um, do it on the expectations of what they're doing, because I don't think okay. that's fair to well, compare a college basketball 10. player to LeBron. Then Dewan's <laughs> like I said, 10. 10. okay, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. Yeah, Dewan <laughs> Dewan would have to be like an A plus. Uh, KJ, that has to be an A plus too, be right? An, a 9.5 or 10. I guess if you have like, any knock, you just want to like, say he's only getting he, four and a half he's rebounds. He's gotten way better since the start of the season, mm-hmm. and he has consistently been getting better over the course of conference play, but he was pretty good going into conference play. Yeah. No, I get I, I So maybe a 9.5? Yeah, I, I'd be fine knocking it a tiny bit just because it's only four and a half rebounds per game for your center, but what have we talked about? Like, we know this is going to be it's more about team rebounding wings effort. rebounding. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a team thing. So that's an A there. Okay. okay. Here's where it gets interesting. Jalen Wilson. Seven point eight. What? So what would that? So that'd be like a C plus. Yeah, it'd be like a seventy-eight percent. Mm-hmm. This one's interesting because I actually think Jalen has done a. I mean, he's been good. Like he's been what you've expected him to be. In but past he hasn't years, been anything really beyond that, has he? So in, far in conference play. Yeah. In past years, there had been questions about Jalen's defense. There hasn't really been many times this year where I've been like, "Oh, Jalen just gave that up defensively or something." Like, I don't no. think he's—I don't think he's—you know—he's not Kevin McCullough or Dewan Harris, but like, I mean, he's, the well, he's been a he's solid the defender. Question leader of the team. Yeah, and, and to that standpoint, it feels like when they so really need to grind a, a bucket, he's getting them. So should I give him a B minus then? Yeah, the efficiency's not there. I, I think I'd do a B minus. So eight, eight out of ten. B yeah, minus. B minus. Okay. Grady Dick. Eight point five. B plus. Hmm. So this one's interesting because it's like okay, when you're getting face guarded all game, is it really your fault if you aren't doing much offensively? Is I that mean, your fault? I I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know how much like was Ochai still able to? I don't remember every single game Ochai got face guarded. Was he no. still able to to make things work in in some way or another? I don't know. Um, yeah, with, you'd have to go back. With Grady, he's only shooting thirty-seven percent, but he's he's rebounding well, he's passing well, forty-two percent from three. Still which honestly, forty-two percent from three is probably lower than what you would expect he's going to finish with, right? Yeah, I mean, is it like high forties right now? Yeah, he struggled from two-point range, ninety percent of the. Foul I mean, line, what though. I mean, what do you expect him to finish shooting from three in in conference play by the end of the year? 44, 45? Is that too high? 
I don't know. I mean, if you get to even 40 or 42, that's that's going to be one of the leaders in the, the clubhouse. I know, but I'm just saying, what's your expectations for the rest of the season? Yeah, probably around there. 45? 40-42. Somewhere in that range. 40, oh, you think 44? 40, 40, 45. Okay. I don't okay. know. Well, no. Okay. You can't just be like, oh, 40 to 45. Dude, it's that's really five, not that big of a difference. What do you mean? That's, okay. I, that's 5% How, a big how difference. many threes is Grady going to take? If you're a 35% three-point shooter, you're, like, decent. If you're 40%, you're elite. I think there comes a certain line where once you get to, like, 40 and above, it's it's pretty close to the same. You're just the elite? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like Steph Curry could have a year where he shoots 42% and another where he shoots 44 and it's like, eh, it's basically the same. Because, I mean, over the course well, okay, of... Okay, but if it's 40 or 45... Over the course of 18 Big 12 games, if, if the difference... I, I don't know, if he's shooting five threes a game... I mean, it's more than that. He's averaging, what, like six threes a game maybe? So if he shoots six threes a game over 18 Big 12 games, so it's between, 108 three-pointers. Between two and three games. Between two, between two and three threes yeah. a game. So if he shoots 45%, that's about 48 or 49. For the rest of the season? Uh, made threes over the oh. course of time. If he shoots 40%, it's 43 made threes. So, hey man, that's I, a lot of made threes. No, but you realize that's that's a difference of three made threes over you eighteen. Said forty-eight. Games. That's a difference of five. Did I? You said forty-eight or forty? What did you say? So okay, 49? so it's one made one extra made three every three or four games. I mean, it's that a notable difference. It they, it does matter. I I don't disagree there because every game in the Big Twelve is close. I just don't think it's like the be all end all. <laughs> I don't know why we're arguing about this. Um. <laughs> I, I okay. would say I would, I would give so Grady probably a B. So if he gets to 40 I, or 42%, that's fine. Whatever. Sure. Okay. I have been worried about Grady's defense, but again, I still think he tries hard enough there, so I, I'd give it a B. What about Kevin McCuller? Oh, wait. I want to separate this into two what? things. Okay. What? If you were grading Kevin McCuller's offense, if you were grading Kevin McCuller's defense and the other things, it'd be an A. If you were grading Kevin yeah. McCuller's offense alone, what would it be? C+. plus. It's higher than I thought you were going to say. Well, because he's been he's been elite when he's needed to be in late in games. I mean, yeah, the clutch shooting, I guess, does that matter. matters. His O rating, which I've been mentioning, is only an 84, eight and a half points per game, two assists, 33% from the field. So you think it should be like a C, C minus? I for for the offense alone, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably C minus. But if you add in the defense, it, it's hard not to be anything worse like than a, like a B minus. I don't know. So overall, still doing okay. But yep. clearly, with Jalen, Kevin, and Grady, we had some reservations about how it started in Big 12 play. And obviously, you expect yeah. all those guys to have big games coming up here. But I, I guess this is interesting to me, our, our going back to the, the opening of this conversation, with having the Dewan Harris, K.J. Adams, have they been your best two players in Big 12 play? I can't decide if that is good or bad. On one hand, on one hand, if it's good, your two players who you don't expect to be your two best players are playing well. That means that you have a really good team. And that means if the two players who you expect to be the fourth and fifth and you have three other really good players in the starting lineup, you're like, wow, now our lineup is elite because everybody's really good. The flip side of that, though, is KJ and Dewan. the argument that you could make for them being your two best players through four Big 12 games so far isn't just about what they're doing. They've played very well. And to expectations, we gave them both A's. But realistically, if Jalen plays his best game and KJ plays his best game, who's better? Who has the bigger impact? It's Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. Same goes for Grady Dick. Listen, it's good. So in that sense, it's bad because it it sort of means the other players aren't 
playing it's up good to right stuff. now, but if it's the same, if this is the same conversation we're having in a month, it's bad. I think that's fair because that means it's those players right are laboring, right? Yeah, it's good right now, but in a month, it's bad. Is basically, I think, the, the way to look. Yes. At it. Well, it's fine. The- well, okay. Listen. Also, the reality situation is your five starters are gonna all need to score double digits most games if you're Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. We we talked about it in non conference play and we haven't really touched on it again, but like in non conference play, you were getting like two points a game from your bench. Okay? The bench is a little better now, but you're still gonna need your five starters to all five score mm-hmm. like double digits. Yeah. Really. If you're gonna win if you're gonna win games. Basically. I mean, yeah. is Bobby Pettiford gonna get you ten points? No. Is Joe gonna get you ten points? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. Is Zach Clemens going to get you 10 points every game? <laughs> no. It is funny. I mean, dude, if I just switched, if KJ... Okay, so KJ's averaging 16 a game. I mean, you Coast could look play. at KJ's stats in conference play, and if you just covered it up, you might think it's Jalen's stats. That's what, well, I was going to say, if I just give KJ's points per I game to Grady... The, besides the three-point shooting. Well, no, if I... If I just, yeah, just the points per game. If I give KJ's points per game to Grady, so instead of Grady averaging 10.8, it's 16, and then I give Grady's 10.8 to Kevin, so Kevin is averaging 10.8 instead of 8.5, and then Kevin's 8.5 just goes to KJ, none of this would look unordinary. No. <laughs> That's kind of no, funny. No, it really wouldn't. No. Do you think there is a possibility, but perhaps though? KU, if that was the case, KU might not be 4-0. No, maybe not. Conference play. Do you think there is a possibility that exists out there where all five starters can go off at the same time. Yes. And what do you think that looks like? Have we already seen it? I mean, they they blew out a bunch of decent teams in December. I mean, I have to go back and look at the box scores, but yes, I think it's very possible. Very, very possible. And it's not that – I mean, I'll – Like the Missouri game. I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like DeWan gets like 12 points, but he has like eight assists. KJ has like 14 points, but has like 10 rebounds. Jalen's got 20. Grady's got 18 points on five of five from three or whatever. And McCuller's got 12, 13, 14 points with nine rebounds and, a, and some steals. Yeah. That's well, I mean, like. like I'm looking at the Missouri that game. Probably, that probably has already happened. Jalen Wilson had 24 points, 10 rebounds in the Missouri game, and he shot seven of 16. That's good. Uh, Grady Dick had 16 points. He shot six of 11. He also had seven rebounds, five assists. KJ Adams had 19 points on nine of 11. Also added six rebounds, three assists. Kevin McCuller went eight of 12, and he had 21 points against Missouri. Dewan had six points on two of two with nine assists, two steals, there and he played go. great defense. So there that is go. the game. That's your so game. it is entirely possible. That's so, your game right there. So that, that I think that is an interesting data point because basically what that means, if all five of KU starters go off at the same time, you're gonna KU win by, beats NCAA tournament yes, teams by, by 30. 30. Yeah. Yes. That's the ceiling for this team, and that's pretty impressive. (laughs) He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us in about 15 minutes from right now. We'll be back after this timeout. A couple more results in the Big 12 last night. Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian Haney will join the show in about 10 minutes from right now. We got KU Mailbag coming up after that. We're also doing a ticket giveaway on uh, social media for some of the tickets to the Iowa State game on Saturday. Uh, so the results that we saw for last night's action in the Big 12, Baylor winning at West Virginia and Texas coming back to down TCU. Let's start with the the game in Morgantown. 
Baylor and West Virginia both came into that game 0 and 3. I was I was kind of hoping that West Virginia would win just to give me the idea <laughs> that like okay, maybe KU hasn't played because right now in the standings KU has played the four worst teams in the Big 12 for the, for their <laughs> wins, which not great. But as we keep talking about, like every team in the Big 12 is good. So you take yep. any wins that you can. But uh And obviously at the time that KU played Texas Tech, they looked like they were going to be a lot better, but yeah. they've got some injuries now, so they dropped off pretty quickly after the KU game. West listen, Virginia did this last year, too. KU, they started 13-2, and two and they ended, I think, 16-17. and 17. And listen, KU gets everyone's best shot night in, night out. That's mm-hmm. not the case for the other t- for some of these other teams. So do you think Baylor is going to go on a roll now? Like they could. Schneid, they could. They have talent. I don't know. I mean, is Baylor really that good? Well, I mean, they, they only lost by one to TCU. They only lost by two in overtime to Kansas State. They could very easily be Oklahoma three State only lost by one to whoever. They Oklahoma State yeah. Oklahoma lost two games by four points. No, you're right. That's how games are decided in the Big Twelve. It's close. So you either win them or you don't, you know? So does that mean Oklahoma's the top fifteen team? Top twenty team? Well, I mean, Baylor's interesting. I mean, their offense is really good. They're eighty seventh in the country on defense. Was Jerome Tang the wizard of the Baylor no, because success K-State all along? Is also bad on defense. Yeah, they're K-State's worse on defense. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I thought Baylor was going to be so good. I mean, Keontae George, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, that's one of the best like guard duos in the country. But for whatever reason, they just don't defend. Not or, anymore. Or good. Uh, but yeah, they ended up winning by five. They have Oklahoma State at home on Saturday. They have at Tech, and then they're at Oklahoma. So there is a good so, chance I mean, they be, get on a roll. They'll be four and three, probably. And then you the next think. game is at home against Kansas. And that will be the true determining factor for Baylor. At that point, if they're four and three, you're playing Kansas in Waco. Where if they win that game, we're going to be like, yeah, they're still not out of it yet. But if they lose, it'll be like, yeah, they don't have a shot now. Mm, probably. Probably. You're not willing to put a fork in them. In Baylor? Yeah. I'll put a fork in them. Okay. Why not? So if they lose, if they're, they lose that game on January 23rd, they're, pork. they're done. They're done. Okay. Bookmark this right, this second right now, right here. Let's see. They're Is West done. Virginia going to get a win? <laughs> I mean, obviously they'll get a What if win, West Virginia but... ends up going like, you know, three and fifteen. That's conference. what I'm wondering. Like right now, Ken Palm has them going seven and eleven, but that means the rest of the way they got to go seven and seven. Is that really happening? And they're already only they still have to play Texas twice. They still have to play. Well, this eight. I mean, I oh, know the K State already beat them at Oklahoma on Saturday. That's like, hey, whoever loses, we're not making the tournament. Whoever wins, get on the right side of the bubble. Yeah, they're gonna have to. So next week, West Virginia has TCU and Texas both in Morgantown. They have to win at least one. If not both, if they want to like salvage that, man, that's tough for them. I yeah, West Virginia is actually bad. I kind of think if West Virginia though was in like, I'm trying to think of like a conference. Uh, maybe if the, they were in the ACC, they'd be a top ACC two perfect. or three or four team in the conference, probably. Right? I mean, the ACC but they would rack up wins. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you got Virginia. North Carolina and Duke. As much as we talk Everybody about else stinks. not wanting to expand the NCAA tournament, which to be clear, I, I still don't. It's because Big teams 12 would get stink. every team in, though. Yeah, and it's because everybody sure, else for stinks. Sure. I don't want any more teams in the conference. Even, even when they expand and add the four new teams, they'd like still get everybody in. Because like UCF is good again now. Cincinnati's kind like, of on dude, the rise. I do not want to watch 15 and 17 Boston College in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. No, I don't care. Okay, how about. Uh, Texas coming back to t- beat TCU. Winner of that was going to be three and one. Yeah, that's a big one. 
That's a big one. It's a big one because, like, you have the question of, in the wake of the Chris Beard situation, how would that affect Texas, right? And they've come out of it really not in a terrible spot. So hopefully you would think from the Texas perspective, like, okay, you know, that turmoil has, we've gotten past it, and now, because Texas is in the same boat as Baylor. They certainly have the talent. Yeah. There's no question about that. Texas gets Texas Tech at home on Saturday. Then they're at Iowa State at West Virginia. See, I don't know. In the then preseason, they get Oklahoma State I wanted to just say, oh, at Iowa State, easy W. I guess not anymore. No, no, I don't no. know. I think Texas is going to work their way back up to like a 6-2 and two or something record that, that we'll be viewing them as like they're the other team. It's a big one for TCU, Kansas State. If Kansas State, they've, they've already proved. I feel like they keep proving things every game, but TCU – playing at home against Kansas State. If Kansas State wins on Saturday, that's going to be like a yes. They're for sure the other team with whoever wins KU-Iowa State, I think. And then TCU, and then if they win, if they beat K-State, it's like, okay, they're still around. And then obviously, if K-State wins and KU wins against Iowa State on Saturday, you have the Manhattan game. Yep. That's going to be a wild one on Tuesday. It's, it's going to be probably the rowdiest college basketball game of the whole season, mm. besides when K-State comes to KU. There you go. Right? Yep. You agree with that? Um, I mean, KU-Missouri. I mean, given the circumstances? Yeah. No, yeah, you're no talking this about is going to be... Possible no, Big no, no, 12 no, no. title. K-State fans are way more rowdy than Missouri fans when it comes to KU. Okay. Easily. Just because they don't what, they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do out there? Got to go get out on the farm. <laughs> what are we doing? What are you doing out there? He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Don't have anything else to do. <laughs> Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. You'll be able to hear the game on Saturday between Kansas and Iowa State. Pre-game will start at 1.30, tip-off at 3 o'clock. Also on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will be on the call. He joins us now on RCST. People are really excited that Dewan and KJ are obviously playing well, but I keep seeing people bring up the fact that you could still have two years left of both of these guys, even after this year. So, you know, got got my kind of wheels turning and, and thinking about, and I think we've actually already talked about on the show. I don't remember if it was me and you or uh, me and Nick or, or somebody uh, about Dewan Harris, like potentially at some point in his career, getting his jersey retired. Because if he has two more years after this year, going to put up a bunch of big total stats. Like, what if he wins a second national title with no KU player ever doing that before? Um, but K.J. Adams, the way he's playing, I, I guess you, you don't see good players stick around in college as much anymore. So let's just say that I told you one of those two players, K.J. Adams, Dewan Harris, one of those two ended up with their jersey in the rafters. Who would be your prediction? Wow. Great question, because as you were first phrasing it, I'm thinking Dewan would be a really tough one because the criteria right now, he doesn't meet the criteria for any of those. You don't see him as the type of guy that would be a, a first-team All-American based on counting stats, which is usually what those voters look at. And it would be tough for him to be an MOP of a Final Four, um, but he absolutely could if we win it again. But other than that, like it would take Big 12 Player of the Year. And typically, again, the, the league player of the year is a guy that, that averages 20 and 10 or does something like that. You don't see typically the nine-point-per-game point guard with six assists and, and two turnovers a game win it. But by the time he's a senior, 
if he's a little more well-rounded and, and was posting ridiculous uh, assist numbers on top of maybe 14 a game, could he be that guy? Maybe. But honestly, you know, those types of categories are based on counting stats, and KJ has become that guy. And it's just a four-week window we're talking about here, so we probably shouldn't get you know, too far ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, it's nine straight games of double figures, 14, 14, 14, and 22 in league play in those four games there, the 19 at Mizzou. If that's at all sustainable for him, then by the time he's a senior, he could certainly be you know, an 18-9 and, and nine type guy on a first-place Kansas team that, that wins Big 12 Player of the Year. But I never would have thought of him in that category prior to the last month. And uh, he's always been one of my favorites because he's such a great kid. He's well-spoken, a hard worker, does and says all the right things. But we've not thought of him as this scoring presence. But uh, you know, part of what makes him such a scoring presence is the fact that you have defensive attention focused on big-time scorers in other places on the floor, and it's freeing up opportunities for him you know, to, to do what we've seen these last nine games. When he's more of a marked man, it'll be tougher, certainly. So I, I still think that the both are improbable to get up in the rafters based on the, the type of you know, numbers that normally takes or, or the postseason run that that would require. But it's interesting you're even phrasing that question because nobody would have been talking about that in October. And it's at least a conversation worth having three months later. No, not at all. And I, I know we've had the comparisons that, that we've heard from Bill Self and, and you know, whoever else about uh, that he's KU's Draymond Green. And it's funny, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to be Draymond Green. That, that would put you know, such a high bar on someone for a guy who's going to be like a Hall of Famer and, you know, has, has gone on to make hundreds of millions of dollars in the NBA. But um, I think it's funny because I'm looking at Draymond Green's stats at Michigan State. His first year, he played kind of sparingly, more than KJ did, but 11 minutes per game, three points per game. Then his sophomore year, he started to break out. He averaged 9.9 points per game, 7.7 rebounds. But, you know, those are those are solid numbers, a little bit modest and then by the time he was a senior, a couple years later, he averaged 16 points, 10.5 rebounds, 3.8 steals. So who knows if, if that path were to continue. But I, I think something that, that has kind of floored me with KJ has been you could make the argument that he is the most improved player from last year to this year. You could also make the argument that he is the most improved player from just when the season started to right now as well. If, if you just compared... KJ when the season began to KJ now like what are some of the things that you've noticed about why his game is so much better well it's all confidence it's 100% confidence he went from shooting 15% from the free throw line his first 13 attempts up until November 28th to now 82% ever since and it shows up obviously with the way he's attacking the basket when when he gets the ball we've been hearing the term short roll a lot you know pick and roll where you pull up and and let it fly in that mid-range after the initial slipping of the screen and you know we've seen him attack that more aggressively and not be an afterthought offensively who will put up a shot if there's three seconds on the clock or if it's a garbage bucket stick back now he's hunting his shot now he's saying hey get me the rock i want to go get it and that's confidence i mean it's it's a guy that in the first three weeks was probably filling a role just trying to keep the bar raised a certain height and not screw up to a guy in month number two that is like, hey, I'm, I'm a integral part of this, and, and I want to go get mine, not in a selfish way, but he feels self-assured that, that he belongs and he's a key cog in this thing because, to me, the most fascinating quote all week this week around KU basketball was when Bill Self 
took us back to the first week in November and said, KJ was working out exclusively with the wings on the perimeter <laughs> until the Cam Martin injury. And then you, you couple the Cam Martin shoulder with the fact that the two freshman bigs weren't consistent and there was no separation between the two, and it made it necessary to reassign KJ. So it should be no surprise that his first three or four weeks, he was just kind of, you know, fitting in and, and pitching in where he could. Then he gets some confidence about him in December, and, and it's just been amazing to see the way he's flipped the switch. So I think it's one of the great stories in the Big 12 this year uh, to look at the emergence of a player like that. But you know, back to your original question about the, uh, the, the jerseys, and I'm actually standing here in the field house as we have this conversation looking at that uh, south end of the field house. And you know, Aaron Miles is the all-time assist leader, and he's not up there. So, you know, Dewan's statistical contributions will never be such that, that he goes up there based on the categories that he shines in. But the ultimate judge, jury, and executioner is, is Bill Self when mm-hmm. it comes to all things KU basketball. And if he decides at the end of a legendary Dewan Harris career that might include multiple Final Fours and maybe just maybe multiple national championships, that the guy that Self has said literally a thousand times is the most underrated player in the country deserves to be, uh, let's say, justifiably rated by putting him in the rafters, then absolutely he'll get that validation. But from a statistical standpoint, I mean, again, this is the 125th reunion weekend, right? And we're about to see Keith Langford. He's the number eight all-time scorer. When he finished, he was number seven all-time. He's not up there either. So it, it takes a lot. Uh, and, and both of those guys are guys that it will be hard to have the necessary counting stats to get there. It would take a Big 12 player of the year type season to do it under the current criteria, unless at the end of Coach Self's tenure, whatever that is, he just decides, hey, these were the six or seven guys on my list that I think should be up there, even though Wiggs or Joel you know, didn't have the criteria in their respective seasons and, and that kind of thing. And, and he'll be completely justified and entitled to do that if that's what he elects to do. But under what have been the recent uh, guidelines, it'd be a hard sell for either of them as we currently sit. But if KJ keeps doing this for the next couple of months, you better believe he's going to be a preseason All-Big 12 pick next year. And that absolutely puts him in that conversation. It'll just be a little bit tougher for Juan because the definition of DeJuan Harris's greatness is the uh, little things that don't tangibly show up in a box score. And so, you know, if, if you can't show up in a box score, it's hard to show up on the, the uh, south end zone rafters there. Unless, of course, you're the favorite player of the most important guy in the whole program, and, and that absolutely could be the case many years down the line if Self decided to make that change. Bill Self has talked a lot about how important adjusting is in the Big 12 and especially in conference play. Against Oklahoma, he makes the adjustment late in the game to run the pick and roll with Dewan Harris and KJ, KJ Adams. Basically, Oklahoma face guarding Grady Dick, so he says, all right, we're going to play 2-1-2 in the middle of the floor with those two guys. What do you think that says about the confidence that he has? You talked about KJ's confidence. Do you think KJ's confidence maybe comes from Bill Self making a decision like that to say, hey, I could have taken Grady out and we could have tried to just run 5-on-5, five five, but instead I'm going to put the ball in your, your two guys' hands, Dewan and KJ, and run the offense. What do you think that says about his confidence in those guys? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it speaks great volumes of his confidence. And we talked, Coach and I have, about 
the recent run that those two guys have been on and how more dynamic that makes this team that now you have a legit five players on the floor where any five, any of those five on any given night could step up and lead you. And we're seeing tangible examples of that, whether it's the Missouri game or the Oklahoma game for KJ or the Texas Tech game for Dewan. Uh, the confidence not only of self but of those guys' teammates to let them have their moment and, and to give them the rock and get out of the way. I mean, we saw it start to blossom with Dewan, coincidentally, a year ago versus Iowa State. Remember the game winner he hit versus the Cyclones, and, and Ochai was expecting the ball, but uh, when, when Iowa State flashed out on Ochai, Dewan saw a gap to drive and went for it, and Oach was all for it. And that was really when his confidence was born. And we've seen, you know, KJ's confidence, as we just discussed, really start to blossom in the last four or five weeks. And so I, I think it's, it's a rising tide raises all ships thing when it comes to collective confidence from the man at the top to the confidence that Jay Will has in these guys as well. And, and you're seeing KU on the floor, the, the, the supporting cast guys, get them the rock in those moments with full faith that they'll deliver. And I love that about this team because it's, it's similar selflessness that we saw last season when Ochai was willing to defer or CB was willing to defer, and it didn't just have to be one or two guys. We're starting to see that type of versatility, but also selflessness uh, that, that I thought was pretty rare on last year's group and appears to be there again with this team as well. Nobody forces anything on this particular club, and the fact that you know everybody truly is that capable now that we've seen the recent ascension of KJ and Juan, it just it, it makes opponent head coaches really have to scratch their heads on who do we try to take away because Kansas truly is a five-faceted weapon in those late-game scenarios with, with capable hands holding the rock no matter who they pass it to. We're talking with voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kansas takes on Iowa State on Saturday, pregame one thirty, tip off three o'clock. And as you mentioned, that Iowa State game last year was uh, very tight in the Fieldhouse. Certainly, both games against Iowa State were interesting because you had that one where Dewan had hit the game winner, the game in Ames. You had uh, Ochai being out with, uh, I think it was COVID, and Joe Yesifu had a big game coming in. Uh, and this year's team, elite defense once again. Overall, they've been really good, undefeated in Big Twelve play. What sticks out to you the most about this matchup between the Jayhawks and the Cyclones? Well, I, I think first off, I, I got to tip my cap to TJ and his staff because when they lost Tyrese Hunter, who I had a major man crush on, I, I thought, I said it on this show multiple times, he was eventually going to be a Big 12 Player of the Year type guy. And he actually came on an official visit to Kansas. I got to shake his hand, and, and, and he was obviously considering us after we'd already gotten the commitment from Kevin McCuller. Um, you know, just imagine how we landed him, too. But, again, he saw DeJuan Harris, and he saw everything Kansas already had at that spot. It made more sense to go to Texas. But when they lose him and, and you lose you know, your leading score from last year as well in Brockington, it's like, okay, how good are they really going to be? Because you know Kouser's coming back and Grill's coming back, but you go into the portal and nobody really knows about this Jaron Holmes guy. And they got a freshman coming in in Lipsy, but – they really recruited him to be the backup point guard this year. And then another portal player they had towards Achilles in the preseason. And Lipsy's had to step into a much more prominent role. But that's what makes Coach Alphaberger's success these first two seasons so impressive. He's done it with a freshman point guard in both cases, Hunter last year and Lipsy this year. And that's hard to do in a league this good. Obviously, we've seen tremendous individual improvement out of Caleb Grill and, and also Gabe Kalsher and 
clearly the, the St. Bonaventure transfer that we talked about earlier has done some nice things too. He's their leading scorer, even though he doesn't really do it in terms of big flashy numbers and, and talking with their broadcast crew this week. It, it sounds like Darren Holmes's game is very quiet and unassuming and you look down and he's got his 13 a game almost every single night. So I, I just you know, give them a ton of credit for individual player development because they're doing it with some similar guys we saw a year ago, but also they've, they've recruited well and, and filled those really big shoes of Tyrese Hunter because if you watched Hunter in some of his late season games last year when they got hot and made the run to the Sweet 16, he had some take-it-over type games. And I just thought it would be way tougher to replace that than what it's proven to be. But, you know, they beat Carolina. They, they climb all the way into the top 15 now. If they win here tomorrow, they'll, uh, they'll be a top 10 team. I don't think many would have seen that coming in the preseason. So to me, K-State and Iowa State are, are the two best team stories in the Big 12 three months into this. And then, as we said earlier, you want to start talking about individual storylines. Certainly, K.J. Adams is, is on the short list of great, surprising stories individually in this league as, as we get set to head into mid-January. Yeah, I don't want to look the over. I don't want to overlook the Iowa State game, but we we're not going to get a chance to talk to you before the K-State game on Tuesday. What do you think of that matchup? What do you think of Dewan Harris versus Marquise Noel potentially? Well, that's going to be exciting. I, I, I'm actually, I hate to say I'm a big fan of Noel because you don't want to say you're a big fan of a rival player, but, man, he's fun to watch. And, and obviously what Jerome Tang has done in a short time is nothing short of remarkable. To see him beat Scott Drew and Baylor head-to-head in Waco and heading into this week, K-State 3-0, and Baylor's 0-3. I mean, if that doesn't speak to the value of Jerome Tang on that staff, I don't know what does. And, and Baylor... They had to gut one out last night in Morgantown, and they might have been staring down the barrel at 0-4 right now. That's not to take anything away from Scott Drew at the top of that program, but I think it, I think it speaks value into what Jerome Tang has brought. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting story. You, you lose Nigel Pack to the largest NIL contract anybody's ever heard of, an $800,000 deal to go play for Miami. And then you bring in a guy from the same state, Keontae Johnson, from the Florida program, and he's basically replicating the numbers of pack, you know, almost identically in terms of points per game and all that, and, and has been a tremendous fit and great story and everything. He's overcome in life, too. So I tell you what, I've, I've marveled at what they've done to this point. I'm excited for next week. I was on a Wichita station the other day, and, and the Wichita station was saying, man, you've got to be so excited. The K-State's so good. It's just going to be great for the rivalry. And I said, well, I am excited for the games, but make no mistake, we, we still want to win 90% of the matchups here. We still want to beat them three times a year if we get a chance to play them that many. So we're, we're happy for our friends that uh, went to that school and cheered for that school, but we still got the best coach in the country. We still want the inside track and make sure they know the Big 12 title runs through Lawrence. But it's great for the competitiveness of the Dylan Sunflower showdown in the same way that Lance Leipold's success in football is great for that rivalry. It's been way too long in football, going on a decade and a half now, for KU to win in that series. And while K-State, you know, in basketball, because you play more frequently, there, there have been more frequent wins there, um, it's, it's obviously been too long for their sustained competitiveness in the basketball version of the rivalry. So it's definitely going to shape up to be much more formidable every year if he stays there long term. And I think in the same way that Leipold looks like a home run hire for KU football, 
Jerome Tang is appearing to be that for, for Kansas State basketball. So good for those guys and good for our league uh, because clearly Offelberger and Tang were two tremendous additions for this league and, and a big reason why it's the juggernaut that it is here in 2023. He is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You can hear him on the game on Saturday against Iowa State and that game on Tuesday against Kansas State. Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. Before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. That's right. Always good to talk with you boys and uh, looking forward to really these next three weeks. Who would have thought that maybe the easiest game on our schedule the next three weeks is a road trip to Lexington, Kentucky. But we're going to know a lot about KU. Come Super Bowl Sunday. If you include the Texas game on the back end of these two home-and-homes of K-State and Iowa State, we should have a pretty good feeling for whether or not Self's going to get his 17th Big 12 title in 20 years. So I can't wait to spend the next three weeks breaking it down with you guys. But, yes, Nate Miller's got a game plan just like Bill Self does. His game plan is for your most profitable financial future. Check him out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. And uh, he'd love to sit down with you and take a look at your portfolio or build one for the first time with Nate Miller and the Miller Retirement Group. We didn't talk much about the 125th anniversary and all the guys coming back, but let's make a point next week to maybe have some stories for you on what is currently up to 204 former players, coaches, or managers coming back this weekend. I promise you we'll have some, some great stories, probably some fit for air and others maybe not so much, to, uh, to recap from this weekend. So let's do it next week, all right? Sounds good to me. Thanks again, Brian. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you. That was Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. Thanks to Brian for coming on the show. With Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, one hour down, two to go. KU Mailbag, next. Four o'clock hour with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio has you covered. They're located right off I-70 in five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Another KU mailbag on today's edition of RCST. Let's get right into it. First run from Tom. Just went a little off the beaten path. What is your biggest pet peeve in general? Besides guys returning kickoffs out of the end zone or punts from inside their own 10? Uh, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty amicable guy. I'm pretty low, laid back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe really... that for a second. Wait, I think what do you, you mean? I think you have many pet peeves like that what? you you refuse to share with no, us. No, I really, I really, no, I don't. I mean, if you know, you want to live your life, mm-hmm. live your life. No, that's fine. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I do. I just don't think of them that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There are definitely things that annoy you. Where if I was, if I brought something up, you'd you'd scream about it. What? Like what? I don't know what. You don't. I, I'm, see, exactly. I'm just saying I don't have there anything. are things. No. I, there are things. There have to be. Um, <laughs> okay, for me, it's. Uh, I'll do this one because it, it's uh, something that's uh, sticks out to me because I was just traveling and, and on the plane. Okay, the people who who get up in the the Iowa. I, I don't mind. Oh, right when the plane lands. Yes, I, okay. I don't mind that if you're getting annoying. up in the aisle way right when it lands because you're just like I'm. Just I, I need to stretch out. Like okay, do your thing. Whatever. Like personally, I don't do that either because then it makes everybody else like feel like rushed and like oh i gotta get up too so oh, that this yeah. guy doesn't cut me yeah 
and I'm six foot five. So if I can stay seated in my seat, then you're going to be fine in your seat as well. Nonetheless, <laughs> um, if you do that, that actually, whatever. That is actually a good one. That whatever. Good one, where but stands, especially people on the back of the plane. It's not like, just that. Specifically, it is the people who get up out of the plane and then start to try to work their way up. So they don't just get up and stand where their seat is and take their bag out and get ready to go. They get up, they take their seat out, or they, or they take their bag out, and they just and then try they to get, get up in, as as far as they can before the line stops. And so, listen again. There there are always exceptions to the rule. If everybody's had the the plane ride before, where somebody is like kind of in the back, and it's like, hey, my flight's boarding in five minutes. Any way I can get through, and it's like, of course, like I understand. There there are exceptions. Do you to the think role. there are people sometimes lie about that just to get off the plane? Maybe, quicker? but you know what? If they do, that onus is on them, and, and they're a bad person for doing that. <laughs> Whatever, that's on them. But the people who do that and just to be like, I'm in a hurry to get off the plane because I want to get picked up and I want to go see my family. Well, what do you think we're all doing? We're all trying to get off too. We're yeah. all trying to get somewhere too. You're all going Don't to the same place. I actually had uh, on on one of my flights back. I uh, So I am notorious for, my wife gets so mad at me for this, but I am notorious for, I, I try to take on the role as, hmm, what's the way we can put this, of the Batman of stopping this action from so happening. So you call people out. I don't call them out. I do things to make them stop. I have little tricks and tools. So, like, I've done before where I will take my backpack from out underneath the, you know, the whatever under the seat in front of you, and I'll just put it in the aisle right next to me. Nobody can walk over it. And I've had before somebody is like, hey, excuse me, I'm trying to get forward. And I've turned around and been like, well, I'm trying to get out, too. Why do you need to get forward for some reason? And they just roll their eyes, and they just stop. Uh, this, This past flight, there was a... A couple, uh, a wife and a husband, or I don't know if they were married or not. doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and they had done the thing. They were like in one of the back rows, and, and I was kind of in like the middle of the plane. They had moved all the way up to like the middle of the plane. And the the the, the lady was in front, and the guy was there, and we were, we were like three rows away from being able to go. And so I just butt my way in between both of them and stood up and grabbed my bag out and kind of like, you know, made sure I got it down right in front of the guy and stood right in front of him. And I just stood there and then I let the two rows in front of me go before I went. Like I made it a big, like I could have gone. I had openings, but I was just like, no, I'm being patient. I'm letting these people go because it goes faster if everybody is patient. And again, everybody's trying to get off. It's not just a you thing. Yeah. And so his wife's way out in front have having gone already while we're waiting on the rows to go in the actual order they're supposed to as I'm holding everybody up to make sure the rows go in order. And the guy behind me Smart A, I don't know if I can say that on the radio, um, has the the wherewithal to go, this guy must be in a hurry or something. And I'm sitting there like, you're the one who cut the line to get in front of everyone. I am letting this go in a reasonable order. Airport people are the worst. That Man. was a long side note, but wow. I, I wanted to share that story. Wow, that was a good one. Okay. I'm, I'm mad that you think that I have pet peeves. No, I just, I, I think everybody has pet peeves. There's your pet peeve. You're mad that what? I think you have pet peeves. No, I'm not no, mad. I, I'm not, I, I know, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, 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 no, I, I think everybody has pet peeves. I, I, I think I mean, there I, is something. I'm a pretty, I, I think I'm there a is. pretty laid back guy. I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I'm going to think know. about it. If this ever comes up in natural conversation, <laughs> I'll think back to this. Uh, this one from Scott Chasen. Without any practice beforehand, can Nick complete a game of Minesweeper on intermediate in the time it takes to finish this segment? Okay, short answer is no, but... Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, how are we defining practice? Because um, Scott submitted this question yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. and I have been practicing at my desk. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think you just said I have been practicing. Well, that's, no, that's okay, no, but 
is you literally is that, just used the word. It, I does have been that classify as practicing? Is what I'm asking. You just said it. No. Was. Okay. That was a poor choice of words. <laughs> I was, I was playing at my desk, but not to practice for this specific thing. Just be, just to play. So at what point is it? At what point is it practice? I don't know. Like I wasn't I don't know. sitting here earlier in the segment doing it. No, but that's a good question because something like this, like if I went home and played a game of Madden, okay, I could technically say I'm playing a game of Madden. I could also say I'm practicing Madden. For what I don't know. Sure. Okay, yeah, but yeah. isn't it all the same for something oh, like yeah, that? Yeah, easily. Yeah, see, exactly. There you go. Boom. I do get you what you're saying there. Honestly, I've never played Minesweeper and I have no idea how to play it. So. Dude, it's very very easy. No actually. idea. All you do is. You click, and then it tells you. So you click on a box. So it's a grid, right? Mm -hmm. You click on the box, and if there's a number on the box, so let's say the number is two, that means that of all the boxes touching that box, two of the boxes are mine. Okay. And then you just keep clicking until it's so you know. So basically, it's you know what I mean. So it's like yeah, yeah. So let's let's say you so you're just trying you to click find on the a right box pattern and it to says, go with to clear it out. You, yeah, you click okay. on a box and it says one. That means there's only one mine around that box. So then you click around the box until you can figure out which box is the mine. Okay. But then, but then, but it's like, it's, you know, you might have a box that's like four. But anyways, when you play the game, it's like, it's really, you know, there's like 50 mines. So there's a lot of different mines that you have to try to clear out. Okay. Makes sense. Sure. <clears throat> that's kind of how it works. Well, I'm glad he asked for you, not for me. Uh, this one from Trevor. What does KU's bench lineup finish in the Big 12? Okay. And he said, assuming the bench behind them is worse than the actual bench is. Okay, right? so he's basically saying, like, the hypothetically, if this current KU starting five didn't exist. Yeah, Kansas so he's basically out. not saying if you switch the bench with the starters and you yeah, start the starters, the starters off the bench. It's didn't a, yeah, exist. You just move everything. So out. your starting five would be Bobby. Yep. Bobby Joe, and Joe for sure. MJ. I, I think guess MJ, yeah. he's healthy. I mean, they don't really have any other, I guess Kyle Cuff. I don't know. Uday slash Zuby. Yeah, you're playing two. And then Clements? Is that your starting five? I mean, you definitely one of Clements could or Cam you, has to start next to Uday and Zuby. Probably could so you, you stretch argue a for starting Jankovic for his three point shooting. Oh, actually, I think you could. I think you could. You could and roll out Bobby. You Joe, put MJ at the four. Yep, you could roll out Bobby, Joe, Jankovic, yeah. MJ, Zuby. Okay, so basically, basically, we know that we know it's yeah. It's, Bobby and Joe are playing a majority of the minutes at the one and two. You're going to play Jankovic a reasonable role. MJ is going to play the three and the four. You're going to play some two big lineups, yeah. And they're going to play one of the other big. Yep. What does that team finish in the Big Twelve? I don't know. The Big Twelve is really good. Big this Twelve year. is really good. I mean, is so that like, is uh, that team beating West Virginia okay. on the road? Probably not, right? Probably not. <laughs> but also, like, are they beating West Virginia and Lawrence? I think they do. Probably. They could. Yep. Maybe. With Bill Self as the coach. I mean, With Bill Self as the coach. Okay. This is interesting. And we're because assuming they've had all the non con to, you know, get, yeah. get okay, rhythm sure. with each other. Fine. Okay, sure. I think I think really what hinges on how well this this hypothetical team could do in conference play is if it turns out that MJ actually is a legitimate scorer. Yeah. Because if he, if he's like your go to score and he's legitimate, then you probably have a chance to win more games. Probably. Right? And maybe Joe turns out to be a bit of more of a scorer, too, right? Like, right. Joe, I think, hypothetically, in this lineup, he could average 13, 12, 13 points Well, like, how many how many players on other teams? Like, Pop Isaacs, perfect example. Like, he's a, I think he was, like, a top 60, top 50 recruit, but he wasn't, like, a top 20 guy, right? Yeah. And we see this all the time. Like, Tyrese Hunter last year at Iowa State. When you have a kid who's not, like, a McDonald's All-American, but he's still a top 60 recruit, a lot of times they go to these other schools, and they're, like, one of the starters right away. Yep. At Kansas, it's like, eh, you might not hit the floor for two more years. Yeah, that's true. So in this situation, though, 
Kansas's Pop Isaacs is MJ Rice, but he was rated higher in recruiting. I, I don't know. Maybe if you, you change this all up, they, they actually do okay. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they're definitely bottom they half, could scrape together. They could scrape together six or seven wins. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're playing down Fieldhouse. We know they what definitely Fieldhouse lose does. in Lubbock. Yeah. And that might be the worst team in the Big 12. Not at the time that came. But played. again, like you said, they're playing at Allen Fieldhouse. So I they, think they could scrape. They get a winning record at Allen Fieldhouse. Maybe yeah. they win one or two on the road. Yeah. I think that's so fair. I, could, I think they. So, well, hang on. If you think they're going to have a winning, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe seven or eight. Yeah. Six or seven or eight wins. Which conference? That's pretty wild. That is. That's really pretty. Sounds good. like too much. I don't know. You think it's too much? It might be. I just. They can beat. You know Oklahoma. how little the bench is. They can beat Oklahoma State at home. They can mm. beat. They can beat West Virginia at home. I don't know. They can beat Oklahoma at home. I'm gonna le- I'm gonna reel it maybe- in a little. I'm gonna say they only win six games. Max. Okay. Okay. This one from Frank. <clears throat> Does any program return a higher percentage of production on offense and defense than KU football? So I I didn't really look into the defense that much. I'm I'm sorry, I I'll be honest. When I first read the question, I didn't read it. That's the honest answer. Oh the oh, non-honest oh, answer. Oh, my. This <laughs> the, guy. I just read the offense part. The non-honest answer would be, I would say, it's harder to measure production on defense and what's coming back. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, well, and, and honestly, you know, with the loss of Lonnie Phelps, maybe they end up losing a little bit yeah. more on defense. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we'll, we'll just start with the offense. And I will say, I just saw a stat today uh, that was the final. It's called stop rate. It's on the athletic. Oh, yeah. Basically measures how good the defense is at just straight up getting stops. Kansas was 128th out of 131 teams in that. Uh, Not ideal. That's bad. Um, So also, when when I'm looking at this, like if I'm comparing it to other teams in the country, unfortunately, there's not just like a site that, you know, is like, oh, here's what everybody's returning in production. And also, the transfer portal is still happening. A bunch of players still have to make NFL draft decisions. Like that deadline's not for like another week or something. I also... Because it's one thing to know for your own team, like, this guy could have another year left to play. This guy could have two years. And even then, when you're covering your own team, you don't always know how many years left the player has. So that's yeah. difficult enough with the COVID years. Now try to do it for every other team that you're looking at in, in, across well, college football. I think this could be tough, too, because Jalen didn't play every game. So in terms of, like, returning production, like... That's a good point. If Jalen plays every game, it could be more. Yeah. So, And then also it comes into, like, are we looking at percentage of offense that comes back? Are we looking at total offense that comes back? Right? Because you could have a I mean, a percentage of offense that comes back for Kansas, it's like... Well, that's what I'm it's saying. It's almost like, 100, Like, right? for, for passing yards, Kansas would have 100% back, but there could be a, a, a team mean, somewhere where the guy threw for more total passing yards than Kansas, but it's, I don't know, a less percentage. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, but, like, besides Kai Thomas, you're all pretty much mm-hmm. returning... Every yeah. single guy that had a reasonable contribution. Yeah, but basically, I I had to try to get like creative with how I wanted to look at this because again, okay. like yeah. there are many ways to look at it. So yep. Kansas finished twenty first in the country in points per game this past season. So what I did is I said, well, let's just take a look at the top twenty five offenses in college football this past season. Cut it off at twenty five. How many of the top twenty five offenses in college football even return their top quarterback? rusher, and receiver, which I am acknowledging there that does not account for bringing back your backup quarterback like Kansas is, does not account for bringing back backup running backs like Kansas is with Daniel Hyshaw and Savion Morrison, does not account for having your top tight end or multiple top tight ends like Kansas will have back, does not account for having your second or third or fourth leading receiver too, which Which Kansas Kansas does. That's back, yeah. So 
when I go through this list, it should make you feel even better because it's not just that Kansas is on the short list here, but it's also that Kansas has even more behind that that would make this list even more exclusive. But if we just, again, look at the top quarterback, or so top passer, top rusher, top receiver, it's really not even that many teams who have even one of all three of those. For the top 25 offenses, I'm not going to go through everyone and be like, this guy's gone, this guy's gone, whatever. All that you're left with of the top 25 offenses that have each one of those back, Western Kentucky, Florida State, LSU, and Kansas. Wait, That's is that, it. Is that right for LSU? Jalen Daniels? Or not Jalen, uh, Jaden Daniels? Jaden Daniels is the leading rusher and passer for the team, and he's, and back. he's back. I think their running back might be gone, though. Their top like running back, running back. So yeah, then you yeah. can technically take them off the list. And then, obviously, you have teams like that I didn't mention there. Like, Ohio State is not on this short list because they're losing C.J. Stroud. But you figure they're, I mean, they're going to be a better Harrison's, offense than Kansas, right? back. USC. Like, uh, Caleb Williams is back. Their top receiver, Jordan, Jordan Addison, has gone. out for the year. He's gone. Well, he out he's for the year anyway. pro. Yeah. yeah. But, um, like, with Caleb Williams, they're going to be better than Kansas. So, you have certain teams like that that don't apply for this list, but you still expect them to be really good. But it's still a cool stat because it shows you of the top 25 offenses in the country, Kansas is only one of four that gets to bring all that back in addition to having so much more that maybe some of those other teams don't have. So, yeah, I I think that's pretty cool. Defensively, like I said, I'm sure you bring back a majority of your tackles, but uh, you lose a big chunk of sacks with Lonnie Phelps, tackles for loss. You probably bring back all your interceptions off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, you bring back all your starting linebackers. And in the secondary, you're bringing back everybody too, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just losing. You're losing Lonnie, and you're losing your in. I guess I interior. think Eric Gilliard had a pick, didn't he? Like the first game of the season or something. You're losing Lonnie Phelps in your interior defensive mm-hmm. line. Which, listen, that's the. I mean, if you were to like tear out in terms of importance, what you would want to keep the most of, you'd probably pass rusher pretty high up there, right? So yes. even so, like in a vacuum, it's like, oh, you know, you're bringing back eight, nine guys, but you're losing guys off of maybe the most viable position mm-hmm. or one of the most viable position groups. This one from Lane. Chances are Grady Dick will be a one and done. If you had to pick now, where does he rank behind other KU one and dones? Such as Xavier Henry, Ben McElmore, Josh Jackson, and any of the one other one and duns I may be missing. Um, I do think it was interesting. All all the one and duns he mentioned there. Obviously, McElmore, that's that's always a gray area. Was he a one and done? Was he not? Because the red shirt, but uh we're wings. So I, I don't know if we want to rank him just among the one and done wings or one and duns in general, because then you add in like Joel Embiid. But for what it's yeah. worth, the athletic came out with their updated uh uh mock draft for the NBA today, and, and Grady was number 13. I think if KU wins the Natty again and Grady plays like a reasonable, like he averages like 12 points a game in the tournament or something like that, he's got to be number one, right? Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I, what do you... <laughs> what? No, no. I, I just... I. It's interesting because I hadn't really thought about the team success part of it. Because it does matter in how fans view stuff, matter, right? It, right? It absolutely like, does. Andrew Wiggins doesn't get remembered as being that great right. of a KU player, even though he averaged a billion points. Yeah, but KU got knocked out by Stanford in the first round, in the second round. Yeah, and on one hand, I think sometimes that can be a bit oversimplified because, like, no, I agree. Because on one hand, I do get it. Like, it does matter because the standpoint of like, what's harder? Is it harder to put up numbers on a good team, or is it harder to put up numbers on a bad team? Right. <laughs> of course, it's going to be harder to put up on a good team. So it does matter. But, like, I, I think about it this way. If, if if Bill Self 
I don't know. Maybe this team is a bad example because this team really does need the shooting of Grady. Like, because they just need shooting in general to space the floor. But in a vacuum, if you had another team where it wasn't like so dependent that you needed that one shooter, Bill Self's taking Andrew Wiggins over Grady Dick. Probably. Because he can impact the game in so many other ways. And like, that's what I. Here, here's a fun one. I too. guess his like, defense would have to get a lot better. So many people, myself included, look back on Josh Jackson as being such a fun player and such an accomplished player. And yeah. a lot of people, I'm sure, would say they think Josh Jackson was a better one-and-done than Andrew Wiggins was first time at Kansas, which I think you can make a great argument for. And, and I don't even know if I would argue against it. But also, back to that question. Andrew Wiggins was tossed onto a team to have to be the number one option. Yeah. Josh Jackson was the number two but even then, at times, he would be the number three yeah, because, yeah, like, Devontae exactly. Graham would go off. Yep. If you switch Andrew Wiggins with Josh Jackson, don't you think that Andrew Wiggins would have I think they like, would have, had an unbelievable – I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They may, they, I think they would have at the least been comparable, right? Well, that uh, like, I think perfect example now – I know Andrew Wiggins has improved on his game so much as he's gotten into the NBA. But perfect example now. Like, when he was with the Timberwolves, there was always questions about him because he had to be one of the top two guys. Now he's with the Warriors. He's like the third or fourth option. He's an all-star, and everybody loves him, and he's the perfect supplementary piece. Yeah. So I, I personally think Andrew Wiggins, to me, was just tossed into a kind of a crummy situation but still put up amazing total numbers. He would probably be ahead of Grady on that list. I, I think you have to put Joel Embiid ahead of Grady on that list. Man, dude, if KU wins the natty and Grady is the second-leading scorer behind you know Jalen or whatever. Yeah, no, if if, if, if they win the national some, championship. And clutch threes mm-hmm. in the tournament. Yes, you're right. It does matter. If, if they win the national or, or he wins final four MOP. Yeah, sure. How do you not put him up? Sure. There? But as of right now, that no, stuff okay, hasn't happened. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, sure. Here's the interesting one. Grady Dick or Ben McElmore? And again, I, I don't know if you consider Ben McElmore one and done or whatnot. Ben McElmore had 16 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, two assists. Grady Grady's is not going to average 16 at, points a game. He's about a point and a half lower. He's at about the same amount of rebounds and about the same amount of assists. Ben shot about 50% from the field, 42 from three, 87 at the foul line for an effective field goal percentage of 58.6%. Grady's effective field goal percentage is 58.5%. Those guys are like clone copies of each other right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I, But certainly Grady Dick but would be in think, that conversation. I don't think by the end of the year, Grady's going to be averaging 16 a game. No, probably not, especially if he keeps getting face guarded. Yeah. Um, I also think Andrew Wiggins and Josh Jackson and Joel Embiid were such better defenders than Grady. Yeah. So I would say this. Grady but listen, is going to be a top five freshman. None of that matters if you're Final Four MLP. I know. I know. Your defense doesn't matter. Yeah. He's a top five freshman right now if he keeps this up. Xavier Henry, that one is kind of interesting too. Um, but yeah, if he, if he has the team success, he wins like a Final Four MLP, that's how you move yourself up. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of hard to get there. This one from Earl. What are your thoughts on Fran Fraschilla and his commentary for KU games? Very disliked by much of KU Twitter. He also added, do you agree or disagree that he frequently shows bias in his commentary to the team's KU's plane? Why do I we just, keep getting mailbag questions about Fran Fraschilla? I don't know. I just I just, I just, just couldn't care less, right? Yeah. Like, especially when it comes to, okay, as a spectator, especially when it comes to watching games of teams that I like, i.e. the Chiefs, i.e. KU. I'm not even, I don't even pay attention to what they're saying 80% of the time. I don't care, okay? I'm not watching the game to listen to Frank Fischel. I'm watching the game to watch why KU sucks, okay? For me... So I just don't care. For me, I don't don't understand. And listen, every commentator has bias, okay? Every single one. 
Why does ESPN put Jay Billis in every single Duke game? I wonder why. Huh. Interesting. I don't care. I literally don't care. I don't care. Fran Fraschilla is fine. I've shared these comments before. I'll I'll share it again. I I think Fran Fraschilla does a good job. Um, The first part of this is that you could put any... Any clown off the street as a co- as a color commentator, and KU Twitter would be like, "Oh, this guy sucks, boy. Why did you hit I, KU?" I do think you're 100 percent right with that. I think you're 100 right with that. And, and here's the first part of that, and this is why Frank Fraschilla that happens. Fans, they only mad. hear the negative stuff. Yes, exactly. They only hear the negative. So when when Oklahoma goes on an 8-0 run, and Fran is saying Bill Self's the greatest coach of all time, look at how well they're doing. Nobody they don't cares. hear it. They don't hear it. Nobody yes, cares. right, right. And he'll talk about KU having this winning DNA and all this stuff. If you listen, you will pick up the start listening for the positive things he says, and then walk out of the game and be and, and actually try to think it's it's like that. Because here's the thing: when yeah, when when Oklahoma goes on an 8-0 run, he starts talking about oh Oklahoma, <laughs> they do this so well and they did this really well, and then you some of the fans start taking it as. Hey, we're already losing. You're kicking us when we're down. His job is not to be the KU broadcaster. And here's part two of this. Exactly. If you're mad about it, listen to Brian He's Haney. the neutral broadcaster. The exactly. Broadcast. So here's part two of this. And it's probably going to be better. Just mute the TV. You can either just mute it and not have audio, or you pull up the KLWN app or the Varsity app, and you sync up the radio broadcast if you want to hear all KU stuff with the TV. It is that simple. We have that technology today. Congratulations. I, th- I think it's so yeah, stupid. Fran's fine. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's our KU mailbag. After this. Clemson is targeting TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, who won the uh, Broyles Award this past season. And I'm just, I I was thinking back as I was watching the, the title game, and Garrett Riley, obviously, you know, great season for TCU as the offense coordinator. How did Kansas have horrible offenses? What do you mean? Is it just like a David Beatty thing? I, I guess player thing, maybe. I like Garrett. Garrett Riley is seen as one of the up and coming offensive coordinators. They had him as their offensive coordinator, and they they averaged probably like eighteen points per game. I don't know. Was he just too young? He was still learning. Was KU Could that be. bad? Was KU David Beatty that bad? Was probably, he over? KU was probably just that. Bad. Probably a David Beatty thing. Let's be or a David Beatty thing. Um. We are going to do our NFL season betting update, let you know how we did this year, and then we might add a few picks okay. for the playoffs. Since we suck, should <laughs> I play the normal betting bed that we have for making money, even though we didn't make any money? If you add in what we did in college, no, you would still be negative. Hey, I would be wait, positive. That's not very nice. Well, I it's facts. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll run it anyways, even okay. though we didn't win. Before we do that, the NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Uh, we're going to go over some of the future stuff, but right now I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm eyeing the Giants. Giants to pull the upset on the Vikings. I'm not a believer in Minnesota. Download, you can get that, by the way, plus 140 on the money line. Download okay. the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing NFL bet up to $10. Eligibility, wagering, and restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. So in college, you made $314 and okay. 70 cents. Bang. Um I made $1144 and 70 cents. It's good How for both of so us. Much more? Uh I don't remember. What bet was it? Was there a specific mm. one that just made a ton? Oh, I I I when we did our midway update, I I got TCU at like 9 to 1 to make the playoff. Ah. Uh, okay. So we made money there. NFL has not gone as well. No, it hasn't. Um, I, I made fourteen hundred seventy-four last year on NFL. Wow! So you'd still be dipping into that fund, hopefully. That's, that's yeah, pretty I'm, good. I'm down three hundred and ninety dollars and seventy cents through the regular season stuff. You were down three hundred and eighty dollars and eighty-eight. See, but I thought I was like almost five hundred. Five hundred over in my picks. No, I thought I was like fifty-fifty in my picks. Well, let's go through them. Not, now, to be clear, we still haven't. Uh, this still doesn't account for the award season, which we'll get into, and it doesn't count for the postseason. So you could still end up positive here. Depends. Okay. Okay. All right, so we'll start with this. AFC North, we both picked Baltimore. Was L. looking good for a little there. Yeah, I mean, Lamar, you, I mean, we can't factor in Lamar. Lamar got hurt, yeah. and... If Lamar stays healthy, they may win. The Bengals went from 4-4 I mean, four listen, and four we talked about team. how terrible their schedule was. Mm-hmm. Healthy Lamar, they, they probably win the AFC North. Yeah. AFC South, you had Tennessee, which that looked great for so long, and then didn't. Yeah. Uh, I had Indianapolis, which, oh, yikes. Yeah, at least my pick was in the actual, had a chance to win it. <laughs> it counts all the same. Big zero. Uh, <laughs> AFC East, Buffalo, both of our choices. Bang. Was only minus 240, unfortunately. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Uh, AFC West, you had the Chiefs. So that hit for you, plus Bang. 175. I was the idiot who took the Broncos. Idiot! Plus 260. I Dude, doubled down. Okay. I'd just like to point what? out, in the preseason, mm-hmm. I told you Broncos were going to win five games. What happened? I don't even know how many. Did they win five games? How many games did they win? They went four? How many games did they win? Well, they, they beat the Chargers to finish. I have no idea. Probably four. Man, so who was right all along? No, you were right on that. That was that was the best call you've had. Five I literally wins, told wins. you. I said they're going to win five games. Well, you know what you should have done? I told you that. I said they're going to win five games. You should have. And you were like, oh, the book was going to win the AFC You should have found oh, uh, Russ, Russ Cook. <laughs> You should have found a sports book that would have let you do Broncos win under five Broncos and a half. Broncos to win probably could have five got such games. good odds. You probably got such good odds. Um, so anyway, right that didn't work out for me. Then we had the AFC wild cards to make the playoffs. You had the Colts as one of your wild cards. <laughs> Dolphins is the other, which that looked go. good until it wasn't. Oh, no, no they, was, did. No, they, they did. No, they did. You're right. They're, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, they did. They did. You're trying to just um, take away my winning wagers? You had the Chargers, who were minus 200. Jeez. I doubled down on the chart. You did at minus 180. Yeah. And then you have the Jets at plus 100. That one didn't happen. Yeah, that was sad. I had the Chargers minus 200. Double down at 180 like you. So there one there. Okay, I had yeah. Kansas City minus 210. So yeah. hit that. Yeah. At Cincinnati minus Wait, okay. 130. Do you actually hit that? If the, yes. Because it's not, they didn't, they're not a wild card Because team. these bets that we officially made were, the bet technically was them to make the playoffs. That's what the odds on this were. Oh. Um, otherwise, it would have been different odds because then they get, they actually would have been better odds. For these teams, but we wouldn't have hit certain teams. Um, That's not true. I would have hit. Well, both I, I wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have hit Kansas City or Cincinnati. But yeah, Cincinnati was minus one thirty, which looking back is like how. Anyway, 
So it hit no. some of those. Uh, okay. You had the Chiefs as the one seed in the AFC, so that came through with you in the end. Bang. Plus 250. Does it make you feel worse at all that it took a guy almost dying for you to win that bet? No, because it still was hypothetically possible okay. even if that had not happened. Just check in where your conscience is. My conscience is clear. Uh, I hit Baltimore at 10 to 1. That didn't work. Bad. Again, though, if, if Lamar, you know, stays healthy, they had such an easy schedule down the stretch. They, yeah, no, I know. It wasn't that, unthinkable. That, I'm telling you, that's how we talked ourselves into doing those bets. Yeah. It's because we looked at the, <laughs> the Ravens' schedule. NFC North, on to the NFC. So you, you made actually pretty good money on the AFC. Yeah. This yeah. is, I think, where things went wrong. You had Detroit, which they had a really good season. And, you know, yeah. a couple of those close games turn around at the beginning of the season. I'm telling you, man. I, I had this conversation with you off air. If Detroit would have would have gotten in the playoffs, if the Seahawks would have lost to the Rams, Detroit would have been the seventh seed. Yeah, I legitimately would have picked the the Lions to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> the NFC is bad. Yeah, Jared Goff. Bad. Jared Goff would have been like the most accomplished quarterback in the NFC besides Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's washed of, yeah. of the playoff teams. I yeah. think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Has any of them made a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Uh, anyway, no. at Green Bay, that didn't work either. At least yours had a, a longer shot to win, but neither of us won. NFC South, we both had Tampa Bay. We had to sweat that one out. They're <laughs> minus 250. I doubled down on Tampa Bay, minus 210, so ended yeah. up coming through. NFC East, you had Dallas. You doubled down on Dallas. <laughs> I had Philadelphia, plus 140. That worked out. NFC West, I I, I want to get you back actually, in your mind. You what actually were you thinking won here? this. You won the NFC West. You picked the Niners. I know. I got it oh. plus 150. I'm saying you. This is you. You made fun of me for the Broncos one. This is your Broncos one. You picked the <laughs> Cardinals to win the NFC West. Man, I don't know. I thought it'd be uh, <laughs> it's just you know. I mean, listen. We could say the same thing about the Lions. That I the know. Lions ended up tanking. I just wanted to no, pick some fun. Make some Arizona fun was very bad. Like I just they, wanted them to make the Broncos some fun were picks. very bad. Those were our worst. In picks. the preseason, Arizona was not a bad pick. Well, neither was Denver. But Disagree. Denver was a bad pick all along. Uh, they always were. NFC uh, to make the playoffs, the wild cards. You had the Rams, so did I. Bad. Didn't hit. Yeah, bad. Really you bad. had the Vikings, you hit that, minus 115. There we go. You had the Saints because you believed in Jameis, but yeah, and Jameis then, And then did they not, just refused you know, to play him. That was plus 115. If they would have played him, they would have been in the playoffs. I That's too not had my the fault. Saints. I that also, is not my fault. I had Carolina plus 350, which that would have been a nice, the way they finished. It was closer than it's you It's not my fault that the Saints one didn't hit. I doubled down on Seattle, and I hit Washington 6-1. to one. The Seattle one hit. The other ones didn't. Yeah. The one seed in the NFC, you took Dallas. I took Minnesota for a Minnesota bit. Minnesota was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, they suck. Yeah. But, like, it, they still could have had winning the close games. <laughs> they still could have had the one seed. So that's how we wound up both minus 300 below. Here's what we have still on the docket that hasn't cashed yet. NFL MVP. You had Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that sucks. Tough. I had Patrick Mahomes at nine to one. That's feeling good about yeah, that. That's gonna hit Offensive Player of the Year. You had Devontae Adams at eighteen to one. Bad. I Justin well, Jefferson. I well, I don't know. Devontae Adams is not going to win, but it's not impossible. Jefferson. Jefferson at twelve to one. I love that. Christian McCaffrey at thirty to one. wasn't bad, that's but he's not, not going to win it. Uh, you had Chris Jones win Defensive Player of the Year. He that should be happen. getting more. Yeah, he was first-team all, All-Pro. That could happen. I don't know if he's going to get it. Yeah, it. I don't think he's going to win. It feels like the narrative isn't there for him, which is unfortunate, because I think he could very much deserve it. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bosa, 15-1. to 1. He's probably got a better chance I think to he's win the than favorite Chris Jones right now. does. Yeah. yeah, I think he's the favorite at the moment. I, I also went to Matthew Judon, 12-1, to 1, halfway through the year. Uh, we did a of the year. You could pick something. You took Jameis, Comeback Player of the Year. That didn't work. Saquon well, they, why won't they play him? Saquon Barkley plus one forty for comeback player of the year. That that could hit. Pretty good, yeah. I took Desmond Ritter rookie of the year. Nope. Pete Carroll coach of the year. Maybe, maybe eight to one. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we have our. This is where we can add to some if you want. So okay, I you have the AFC winner, the Chiefs at plus five fifty. I'm gonna keep that for sure. Would you like to double down on the Chiefs? They have worse odds now, but it's plus one seventy. Um, now that you know they're the one seed, I'm not gonna double down. I'll just okay. stick with my five fifty bet. I have the Chargers at plus seven fifty. They're now going off at plus one thousand. So I didn't get like better really, odds there. Yeah, I had Baltimore plus six fifty. They're gonna lose this week because they don't have Lamar. They're down to eighteen to one. So I feel like I need to double down on somebody. So let's see. The Chiefs are plus one seventy. The Bills are plus two hundred. The Bengals are plus four fifty. There's so much better odds in the Bengals than those other two teams. Bengals, yeah, Bengals are, are plus four fifty is pretty good. I kind of think the Bengals are going to upset the Bills, so I'll, I'll just go with Cincinnati at plus four fifty. That'll be the one I add. Um, okay. NFC winner, you had Green Bay plus four hundred. So did I. But then so I, added, I added. I added San Francisco. Yeah, you got San Francisco, which that was good. They're plus five hundred right now. They're plus one eighty. So you got good odds there. Yeah. You yeah. could cash out. I uh, took Dallas at plus four fifty. They're plus five hundred. About the same, yeah. I don't know, dude. The NFC is a crapshoot. I'm not even going to touch this. Thanks. I think you got the best. With San Francisco five to one, like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then Super Bowl winner, we can add anything if you want. You got Chiefs ten to one for the moment. They're plus three fifty. I had the Bills plus five fifty for the moment. They're four hundred. So I'll just leave it. I'm going to leave it as well. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add? I, I don't know. We can do. You can do uh, a, a conference finalists. You pick the exact conference finalists. I might, I don't know. I'm not going to do this for this, but I might sprinkle on this in real life. Cincinnati, LA Chargers, AFC Championship, Cowboys, 14 to 1. Cowboys to lose in the wild card round. Plus 120. It's not that crazy of an odds. No, it's really not. Um, Because they probably are going to lose. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady's never lost to uh, Dallas. Dallas, yep. Okay, that is our uh, update on our NFL season betting. We need some uh, awards and postseason stuff to come in, so we yep. end up in the positive. Long story short, we're we're not very good. No. For now. For, for now. now. For now. Made money in college. Focus on the positives. True, true. All right, this is our CST. We're going to take a timeout. We got a lie detector test coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll be back after this. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have High School Sports Weekly later tonight, Burgers by Biggs. It'll be airing 6 or it'll be recording live from 6 to 7, airing from 7 to 8 tonight on KLWN. Tomorrow night, we're going to have high school basketball, Lawrence High on the docket, girls game 5.30, boys game 7. Saturday, we got KU basketball coming at you um, on our airwaves here at KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. It is time, though, for another edition of Lie Detector Test, and uh, I officially would like to say we have a, a sponsor for this segment. It would be one John Heyman, who broke my heart. Lie Detector Test is brought to you by him. <laughs> First up, Frank Mason. This is what he said on Twitter. Sorry to put Frank on here. I had an offer from West Virginia for a reason, and I think I want to try out for the Chiefs next year. Who can help make that happen? I can make an impact on both sides of the ball. No BS. Interesting. So, lie detector test. First of all, I don't... Do you think he actually is going to go to the NFL? Or, like, or like try? No, but also, I'm trying to think, what position would he play? Wide receiver? Corner? Defensive back? Safety? Corner or running back? I don't know what he played in, in high school. Um... But That's like, what I was trying to figure out. I mean, you think of him as being a shorter basketball player, but for like a corner, if he's 5'11", it's like, oh, like that's normal, normal height. Yeah, you know? that's normal. Yeah. 
or if he's like a you know a box safety. Yeah, uh, an assistant from West Virginia who happened to see him playing basketball told him he'd make a good cornerback. Maybe like a slot corner or something. That makes sense. He's he, you know he's got that dog style mentality. <laughs> he got the dog in he's him. Got that dog in him. Um, he really does though. But I I mean well, he's in both sides of the ball. I just realized. So he wants to be a two way player. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Okay, dumb question. When mm-hmm. it comes to like eligibility and stuff, if you if you play one sport, you you can't like have more eligibility for other sports, right? Um, I think you can. Okay, so he could. Why not just come back to K football right now? So I, I, I mean, you you're, you might be right there. I so I don't I, I don't totally know how this works, but I do remember um, Greg Paulus for Duke. Remember, he played his four years at Duke. Okay. And then he graduated and he became a grad transfer and he played quarterback at Syracuse. I don't know. There's J.R. Smith. Well, if that's the case. J.R. Smith got paid in the NBA. He couldn't play collegiately but he's still, basketball, he's still but he can golf. play golf. Oh, that's true. So I think it's just if it's not the sport you've been paid okay, in. Okay, so he can maybe. So why not just have why not just have Lance call up Frank? Be like, hey. Let's do it. Come come play for us. Here's another corner. That's definitely that's, if that's definitely, allowed. That's definitely what should happen. If that's allowed, do it. Yes. Do it in 100%. 100%. Yeah. Easy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we've we seen like... Well, former, hang on. Is Frank, on a, is Frank on an NBA team right now? Is he still on the box? No, he's not. I don't know if he's on a uh, like G League team right now that he's been in the past. It's just, it's just crazy because he was like G League MVP like two years ago, but it's just... It's tough to make that jump, I guess, when, when you're kind of a smaller guard. Um, I don't know if he's on a team right now, but like... We've seen tight ends do this, or, or guys who become tight ends who are like undersized big man, and like just think of all the Baylor guys, like Mark Vidal or uh, Rico yeah. Gathers. Yeah. But those guys are like, you can just play them at tight end, and they can be big blockers. Oh, Ali Cox. He's with Beirut Club, which I believe that's overseas. I'm gonna take a wild guess that that's in Beirut. <laughs> and where is Beirut? Oh man, dude, listen. I got like third place in the geography B <laughs> of like seventh grade. I Lie detector be, test. Nick Springer. So good. If you can't answer where Beirut is, then that is a lie. <laughs> it's not a lie. Well, I it would be, be really phony award. It used to be really good. I used to be really good at geography. It is in a country that starts with an L. I'll even give you that. <laughs> Lithuania? Wrong. <laughs> Lebanon. It is oh, I was going to guess Lebanon. Mm, too bad for you. I was going to guess Lebanon. Yeah, what are you always doing? I was literally going to guess Lebanon. Well, he's the and starting point like, guard. And then I, in my head, I was like, "Your Lebanon is probably wrong, and then you're going to be like, oh, you idiot. And then I guessed Lithuania, and you still did that anyways. Well, it is, uh, it's the team that won the Leban- Lebanese <clears throat> championship last season. Okay. So Frank Mason, they're like, you know he's what? A we're, we're good. We got to go back to back. Let's sign Frank Mason, which is a good idea. Um, no, I do not expect this to happen at the end of the day, but I, I, I do. I don't think it's a lie from a standpoint. Like if the Chiefs were like, "Hey, come try out," he'd be like, "Okay, sure." No, so, KU. We already established you should come. To KU. I know, I know, possibly. Um, next up, Georgia players. <laughs> this, so, this is hilarious. We have, we have an audio clip here. If you can oh, pull this up, I don't have it ready. Um, so I'll, I'll go to the first one. Nolan Smith. This is this is. Where's the audio clip at? It's in uh, the the audio folder. Okay, um. Okay. Nolan Smith is is one of the linebackers for Georgia. He he was injured, didn't play in the the championship game. He was quoted post game saying, 
quote, they thought we were going to be seven and five, end quote. So there's that to begin with. Correct. And, you know, for anybody who pays attention to betting on sports or anything sports related, Georgia was ranked third in the preseason. They were given an over-under of, I forget if it was 10 and a half. It's either it's somewhere between 10 and 11. <clears throat> nobody, right. nobody was picking them to go 7-5. Adios queued up. Zion, I, I don't know if this is pronounced Logue or Logie. He is a defensive lineman for Georgia. He was also caught on camera saying this after the game. Y'all thought we were going to be 6-6, 5-7. 6-6, 5-7? and seven? Dude, where are these people... Where are these people getting this? So I, I I don't even think this is a question about is this a lie or not. It clearly is a lie. Nobody thought this. Now, if you want to do the game of like, oh well, I found Twitter user Joe Bob eight four one two three on Twitter, and he said you guys suck. You're not going to win a game. Okay, I saw sure. Twitter whatever. User that, Nick Saban fan yeah. one two three four five said but that George is going to be terrible. Anyone real or not trolling? Nobody in their right mind. Would pick that it, or did pick that to happen. <laughs> I, so, I saw a tweet from that about this that said that uh, Kirby Smart had better propagandist locker room than the Soviet Union. Yes. Well, okay, that, that leads to this. The question isn't, is this a lie or not? It is. It is who is lying. <laughs> whom? Would it be who or whom? I don't know. Oh, I didn't I didn't do as well in grammar as I did in geography. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be who? Who I is lying? Know. Well. No, it's definitely. You have who. different options here. You have the players... Right? Like it could be these players, it could be several other players. Like okay. I said, maybe yep. they're cherry picking from Twitter bots and, and other random people on Twitter. It could just be Kirby Smart is lying to them and is being that master motivator. Or I don't know, maybe it's someone else. Maybe maybe it's someone else who has their ear. A booster or something. I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe like there is a radio show in Georgia who like who really like, doesn't. oh man, I don't know, man. They lost so many players, and one guy was like, I could see him dropping to seven wins. You know, they lost five <laughs> first round draft picks. I don't know. Maybe it was just one idiot. <laughs> like, who do you think's the liar? Oh, it's Curry Smart. Uh, yeah. It's Curry Smart 100%. Curry Smart's in there saying, These guys think we suck. And everybody's like, Whose guys? Mm-hmm. These guys. <laughs> the guys that I'm, that I, the, the guys. Which guys? The, that's not important. The guys. It's Curry Smart 100%. Yeah, it has to be. And and yeah, I mean, from one standpoint, that would be one of the biggest lies of all time. And, and I can't believe the players <laughs> would actually believe that. But, you know, good for him for, for master motivator. Than, than the Soviet yeah, Union. he gets a raise just for that. Okay, next <laughs> up is the NCAA. Oh, boy. They are, these clowns again. They are, <laughs> usually the quick answer to this is I don't even have to read it. You can just be like, yes, they are lying. <laughs> Um, they said that they're tightening up their rules for second-time transfers. So, obviously, there was the, the free one-time transfer rule, but what has come since that is basically everybody who transfers, regardless if it's your first time or next, they're just like, ah, whatever, we'll give you the waiver. Okay. But as part of the new rules, there are basically two main stipulations if it is your second transfer for you not to have to sit out a year. It's one that you have to either prove you're leaving for like a, a bad medical injury and you have to get it backed up with a doctor or two, you have to prove that there's been some sort of like abuse or wrongdoing or some, whether it's like, you know, a coach berating you or something to do with like the academics. You have to prove that stuff that would basically force you to leave the program. So huh. this stuff would make it basically very difficult for players to get that second transfer free. 
you know, because most of the time it's it's not transferring for those things. It's transferring because I want more playing time, right? Yeah. Which I think makes, if this actually works out this way, interesting for one, because you won't have guys transferring as much. Like you do the one transfer and then it's like, ah, I don't, I guess I'll just stick it out. I don't want to have to sit out a year or they might sit out the year. Um, but I also think it'll make it so that we see less players transfer right away. Like how many times do we see a five-star quarterback come in or a, like he commits in the next day the quarterback the other quarterback is like I'm gone yeah exactly saying? well yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, I'm more so saying like if you have like a five-star player who comes into the program he doesn't play much as a freshman or he doesn't play at all and then he transfers after that I think now with this new rule because because right now if you transfer it, it, you're like hey I didn't play my first year I'm gonna transfer you might just view it as like okay well if I transfer and it doesn't work out at my next stop I can transfer again but now, because of this rule, if it happens that way, you're going to have to be more tactical and be like, man, maybe instead of me leaving right after my freshman year, I should wait another year just so I get a better feel about using my one free transfer. Like, you have to be more cautious about using it as opposed yeah. to now where it's just like, I have unlimited fireworks, just shoot <laughs> them off all at once. You know what I mean? I think any scenario where you could potentially reduce the number of transferring, like what you're discussing, is probably a positive thing mm -hmm. so i'm fine with this even if the ncaa is lying i don't care I yeah okay so back good. to that do you think the ncaa is lying in terms of they're actually going to police this i don't know because one of the things about this is we've heard this so often it's like guys apply for waivers and they almost always get approved always yes right like how many guys have actually been denied off the top of my head i can think of Tommy DeVito from Illinois. That happened, right? He got denied. But other than that, you get approved. I mean, I don't know what the approval process is. It sounds like it's just a, oh, approve. Because there's know. been too many too many negative PR hits to them where a player would be like, like, it's like I'm transferring home and I'm applying for a waiver. Yes, yeah, because yeah. My, my grandma is terminally ill. And they have like these former things in the waiver where it's like you have to be uh, within, if you're, if you're going to transfer closer to home for like, to, to be closer to family, you have to be within like a, a it's like a hundred mile radius. And, and the player like was like 104. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he doesn't get the waiver. So they've had bad stories like that where I think they've just loosened it up just to kind of play the PR game. Um, so I don't know. We'll, so we'll see if this but is actually. Like I said, any, I think anything you can do to where there are less transfers of that nature where it's just obviously a guy doesn't want to stick it out and he's mad that he's not playing, I think that's positive. Mm -hmm. Derek Carr. He tweeted out long goodbye to the Raiders and yeah, as part of it. Listen, I don't care and I didn't read any of that. Well, I, I just have one blurb for you. Okay. Here's a quote. Raider Nation truly is special. End quote. Okay. Is it a lie? I don't I think, you know what I think the lie part of that is? Hmm. I don't think there's a Raider Nation. <laughs> I don't think there's Raiders fans across the country. No, there's not a Raider Nation. That's the part I don't agree with. There's a lot of Raiders fans, man. No, no. See, you're just you're just you're protected here in the state of Kansas, where there are very few Raiders fans. Brandon McAnderson, Raider fan, we sure. have him on the show. That's Fine. a Raiders person. Okay, sure. Um, so there's one Raiders fan. Yeah, I would just tell you, for somebody who lived in West California, Coast. you see a lot of Raiders. That's the yeah, the West Coast. That's fine. That's fine. That's not the that's not the whole nation. <laughs> the, I I think there's a lot of Raiders fans uh, around <laughs> the nation. I really do. Um, but yeah, are are they truly special? I guess. Yeah, they're they're truly special in that they're maniacs. 
Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah, but they are a diehard fan base, so I'll give them that. Sure. Uh, do you think Derek Carr means this, though, or, or does he have sour grapes? Is he just <clears throat> trying to be a nice guy here? He might have some sour grapes. Like, do you think he's actually going to look back on it and be like, oh, I got to love those Raiders I mean, fans? I think he'll look back on it as like a... I don't think he'll look back on it that negatively he's, okay. because he spent, you know, he spent so much time there. Mm-hmm. Even though it ended kind of badly, I'm sure he has fond memories of his time with the Raiders. I would think. I would hope. Uh, this one is from Jeff Trailer, who is the University of Texas San Antonio head coach, and this is him on staying at UTSA instead of potentially leaving for a bigger school. "Quote: I'm not going to be able to spend all the money they give me at UTSA." What do I need all that other money for? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the argument that that fans always have of like, well, he's not going to leave for that other team for a few more million. He'll still be making multi-millions here. So okay, why, why does he listen, need the extra? But then things. it never ends up happening. This is actually a coach saying it, which I've never seen before. Okay, a couple things that I, have, that, uh, I am concerned about with this. Mm-hmm. Number one is, even if, even if he legitimately believes what he just said today, or whenever he said this yesterday, whatever. You know how bad it's going to look when in two years he does leave UTSA for a bigger school? Yes. They're going to be like, why'd you leave? You said you didn't need all that money. He's going to have to. No, I, I think That's he... That's what I'm saying. Like, like even, if you, even if you believe in your heart at a certain point in time that this is a true statement, you just can't say it because no. all you're setting yourself up to do is to be clowned on later on when you do actually leave. Well, right? I mean, yeah, you're 100% right. So here, here's his here's his rebuttal now. If he leaves for another job that pays him much money, he has to donate it all to charity. That's his only way. He'll be like, you know, I made enough money at UTSA. This this isn't about the money. I'm donating all to charity. This okay. is just about me moving up job wealth. That's sure. his only out now okay. to, to avoid looking like a hypocrite here. That's fine. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I mean, you just you, those are the types of things that you just. I know. Like I said, even don't if you, box yourself even, into that exactly. corner. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you believe it, and it, listen, I don't. This may be, he may be speaking the truth right now. But in a year or two, when somebody else comes calling, he's going to listen. I will say, I do think UTSA has the the very upward trajectory. I mean, they're already going they're up going to, the to the American, which yep. is such a quick rise from and where they've UTSA, gone. UTSA, I mean, they're one of the largest schools in the country right. in terms of enrollment. So and they so like, certainly could find the funding from donors and whatnot yeah. probably to, to try to elevate their program. Well, think back to uh, TCU 20 years ago. They were in the... Mountain I think West. they went Conference USA to then Mountain West. I don't think TCU was in the conference. No, they were never in the Conference USA? I don't know. I feel like they were always in the Mountain West. I could have sworn they went Conference USA to Mountain West. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but either way. I don't know. You're talking about being in the Mountain West. And that would be kind of the equivalent. I mean, the AAC is even better than the Mountain West was. Oh, yes. Mountain West at its peak with TCU, Utah, and Boise was, was pretty good. Yeah, um, that's true. So that, to me, yeah, they were in the Conference USA. They, huh. they went from the... The WAC to the Conference USA to the Mountain West to the Big Twelve. Huh. I'm not saying that's going to happen with UTSA, but they do have uh, with everything you I mean, were just saying 15, there. They've been really good in fifth. Or I mean, they're the this, biggest it, school in San Antonio, which is rate, a gigantic market. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, maybe it might be in like ten years or yeah. so. But in ten years, yeah. if they have, if they've had, you know, multiple ten win seasons, some good years in there, and it's time for a conference expansion mm-hmm. again, a conference realignment which again, which it always is. They could be in line to yeah. join the Big Twelve, and this guy could be the Gary Patter- Gary Patterson, what he was the TCU, going through all those conference yeah. changes and, and being the guy. That's what this guy could be for UTSA. So I, I don't think it's crazy, but it I mean, is. UTSA yes, has funny. like they have like sixty thousand students. I mean, they are yeah, one of the gigantic school. schools in the country. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our lie detector test. This is RCST.